program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views expressed are those of the panelists and not necessarily those of Sengents, Glamour Connection, Van Garrett Media, their respective management, contractors, or employees. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. Welcome to the Share Your Hotness podcast. Share your hotness. Now, here's your host, Lita Green. Hello and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with Lita Green and my friend Christine Lavalu. Lavalulu? Lavalulu. Lavulo. She's my really good friend, huh, Christine? I am, yes. Yes. My last name is tricky for a lot of people. Right. My last name is not. (laughs) (laughs) My maiden name was very difficult. My maiden name was very easy. What was it? What was your maiden name? White Whitehead. Yeah, that's super easy. Um, Surprisingly, people still asked how to spell it, though. No, okay. Actually, I will say to people, green, like the color with an E on the end, and they'll be like, um, and I'm like, green, like the spelt, like the color. And then you can tell they're struggling. So I'll be like, okay, G R E E N E. Oh, okay. And I'm just like, man, it's really good that they're not having to get my last name. <laughs> my name. Right, I feel you there. <laughs> which was M A U G H A N. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Pronounced Probably mom. Right, but pro- people probably pronounce it all different ways. Um, having lived among the deaf, they called it, I, they, I was called Mahaganag. Mahaganag, <laughs> Mahaganag. So anyway, the nickname that was settled upon, is, and there are still people to this day for my mission that call me Sister Mahaganaga. So, but it's a little bit of slaughtering of what the bit like, Mahaganag, you know, and so it's just kind of a joke and I'm Sister Mahaganaga. Um, and I'm like, I reply to that as well. Okay. So you've had a lot of exciting things going on, but before we get into that, I just feel like we got to give like a juicy story about you so that when you tell them the the cool big news that they're going to be like, Oh, I want some of that in my life. Right. Cause we've been friends forever. Like I think from like the first little bit of me networking in Utah in like 2010, Mm -hmm that we, we were, I can't remember not knowing you. Is that your memory? Yeah. Yeah. I think we had a lot of mutual friends and we were involved in a lot of the same circles and networking. It just kind of clicked. And then finally I got to meet you in person and get some of your hotness products. Yeah. My <laughs> little bit of makeup there. Thanks for the plug. Yeah, there I'm wearing Stella friend. today. I'm wearing Stella. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> These are my podcasting days. And it's so funny because on my podcasting days, my phone will be blowing up with makeup borders. And then, so there's the other hour on the other end of being like putting all this brain power in being like, okay, getting all the orders. And I love, and I love it. Please keep ordering, but it does make it a little crazy. <laughs> you it's know? hard being a serial entrepreneur. I know, I know. But you know, if I, if I weren't so good at ADD, then I would just do one thing, but I am so good at it that why would I just do, why would I just do one thing? You're you know? good that you can focus your ADD on multiple things. I like do multiple things, but I'm kind of hopping all over the place rather than focus, get it done, focus, get it done, focus, get it done. Well, in all confession, it's all about the scheduling and the systems. Yeah. And the systems and the assistant, 
you know, I am not an island of my own. I have a team like my media company, yay, Van Garrett Media, right? That (laughs) I'm able to do it. But I have been incredibly unfocused as of late um, because, you know, I just, my son just left on a mission Mm -hmm. and I'm so proud of him, but I miss him so much because I like him a lot. And so I've literally just given myself days, like probably two and a half weeks, just kind of do whatever it is that I felt like doing. And so at the end of the day, this is my ADD and natural state. There are five things that were started and none of which were completed, but that was fine. Cause I just, I was proactively doing something all the time. I shouldn't say proactively. I was productively doing something. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because if I'd been proactive, I would have had a plan and a schedule, but that's just kind of how I let myself feel through it. And it's been nice to be like, oh, I want to do things again. (laughs) Cause when he first left, I'm like, what you mean, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So, um, yes. So speaking of ADD, let's focus on you. Okay. Mm -hmm. And give us a juicy story. Give us, give us something awesome. And I know you're a pro, so we, you got, oh gosh, a juicy story, (laughs) something about you becoming you just something Um, I will lead with probably the most prominent story of my life. Um, I'm trying to think of how I can say it. So I give enough of it, but not go on and on. So um, about 11 years ago, I married to a Tongan. And so we yeah, have a lot of cultural differences. Yeah, we have a lot of cultural differences. So, you know, marriage is already hard. And then you throw that in. And I also have... Um, some mental health challenges with depression and, and anxiety and things like that. So yeah, I married somebody that has a completely different upbringing, <laughs> completely different culture. Um, so about um, 12 years into our marriage, we were having financial problems because it was at the collapse, you know, of 2008, 2009, 2010. And um, we had both been self-employed and all of a sudden we went from making really good money to like, we made barely enough to cover our mortgage. Ouch. Yeah, it was huge. And so of course I'm the one handling all the money. My husband's angry. Cause I haven't really told him that we're struggling. Cause I keep thinking I can figure it out. You know how we are with the, entrepreneur, the next, yeah. the next deal will fix it. Yeah. Yeah. I can figure this out. I've got it. And he was under so much stress, stress and pressure. And we just had a, a baby that was a year old that I just was worried of making it worse. Like, I don't want to make this worse. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I'm a fixer. And so, um, he started um, going to a thing called like kava. They go and drink kava. It's a, a root that they break into powder and make it a drink out of it. It tastes like dirt from what I understand, but it can really be, <laughs> Ooh, pretty, I want some. Um, it can be pretty relaxing. Okay. Um, and well, so there's the kava, go, kava, the yeah. kava, kava. Yeah. That's what right, you're talking about. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. But they use a different part of the plant for it, but it's, so it's really strong. Um, and so he would go to do that against my will, because <laughs> I'm not a fan of it. And he would be gone for all hours of the night. And eventually I was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Like our marriage had just completely broke down. We weren't communicating. Um, and I, and I was like, I, I shouldn't be treated like this. I deserve more than this, whatever we tell ourselves. And I was like, I'm done. So on mother's day that year in 2010, um, we had plans to go to my mom's house and his sister had invited him over for, had invited all of us over to her house but we already had plans to go to my mom's house. So I'm like, no, we're going to my mom's. And he's like, well, I want to go to my sister's. So he took the kids and went to his sister's on mother's day. And I texted him and said, I'm done. 
I'm moving out with the kids as soon as they're out of school. Well, once you bring them back. Right. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Yeah. Just they're out of school, I'm out. So um, exactly like I promised, the kids were in year round school. So right after they got out of school, I moved down the road because my parents were moving out of their house to take care of some other business and let me rent their house. And this is helping the financial problems to have yeah, now two yeah. houses. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we couldn't pay our other mortgage. So I knew that was going to be going into foreclosure anyway. So okay. I'm like, good. I got a set up. And you know how like women can be like, we take this dramatic leap and in some ways we're serious about it. In other ways, we're just hoping that they will wake up. Like I'm, this is a wake up call, right? We've watched too many Disney movies. Hallmark movies. Where he comes and swoops in on a white horse to save us from ourselves. <laughs> right. Well, and he was that type of person when I met him. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to see if he really wants to fight for me and we'll see where this goes. So I move out and the first three weeks, it was like, totally yes we're going to work this out. We'll go to counseling the whole nine. And then like we had kind of an argument and next thing you know, he is just like a totally different person, like completely different person, like, um, going out partying. He's got a girlfriend, <laughs> like, uh, and I'm just like, I thought we were working things out, you know? And, um, so I remember coming home, I got online cause you can go onto an online resource and do divorce papers through the state. Like they walk you through everything. So I go on and figure it all out, print out the papers, take them up to him. And he's like, I'm not signing these. And he's like, I, I don't trust you. I need to find an attorney, whatever. Okay, fine. So we go a couple more weeks and I'm getting frustrated because he's got a girlfriend, but I'm his wife. <laughs> And I just oh, want to be free picky, too. Picky, picky. You know I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At this point, I just want to be free too. Like I just, I want to move on with my life. You know, maybe there's somebody out there for me. And um, I had looked on a calendar and I knew if I served him with papers, he only had 20 days to respond. And so I literally counted out 20 days from a certain date and circled it on my calendar. Like, all right, I'll be like freedom. <laughs> of course it's ending a marriage is never easy. It's always a really hard thing. We mourn the love that we had. We mourn the love that we thought we would have the life we thought we would share. So I'm sitting in my room and I'm, I'm crying, you know, feeling, feeling that loss. And it was like, the best way I can explain it. It was literally like God tapped me on the shoulder mm. and I'm kind of like, okay, what do you want? <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, my relationship with God was pretty good, <laughs> but, but I'm kind of like, what, you know, what is it Lord? And he's like, well, I want you to fight for your marriage. And I'm like, why am I the one who has to fight? He doesn't seem like he cares, right? Like, why? What, why are you why putting responsibility on me, God? That's oh, so God. annoying. Change why him. Why did you have me fight for this? Like, what am I fighting for? You know what I mean? Like, he's not even the man I fell in love with. I don't even know who this person is anymore. Like, it was just crazy. But I kept feeling it so strong and hearing it. Like, I want you to fight for your marriage. So finally, I'm like, you know, kind of arguing with the Lord a lot. And like, why, why, why are you wanting me to do this? I don't know if I'm willing to do this. And finally, the Lord said, if you will fight for your marriage, I promise you, I will restore it. And it will be better than it ever was. Ooh. And I knew that the early years of our marriage and times in between, we had some really good times. Like we had, I knew I married a really good man, even though that's not who was showing up right now. So, um, I kind of went on this year long journey of fighting for my marriage because it took a year, <laughs> a year plus so wait, you um, didn't serve him with the papers. No, no. I, cause this was before you served him with that yeah. 20 day deadline. Yes. 
So yes. you're fighting for your marriage while he is, is he shacking up with the girl? You like how, you like, how I like, like they weren't language. living together or anything, but I, I believe he was like helping her pay her rent and helping her with her bills. And she had a couple of little girls and, um, and that was really hard. Of course, you know, it's hard yeah. enough to be separated. It's hard enough to be contemplating divorce. It's hard enough to have your husband involved with someone that's not you, but then it's like, you, you don't want to help out your own kids, but you're helping out someone. With their now, is kids, he you having know? the sexy, sexy with the, the girlfriend? I, at some point he did. I don't know how early it happened. He was like a different person. Like he was a different person. Cause that's like a walk, whole other thing yeah. for those of us who come. Well, and I want people background. to understand that. I really want people to understand that. And because a lot of people think that's just a never, like, I'll never overcome that. I can never overcome that. And people have told me that a lot. Like I can never do what you did. Well, if you have the same exact experience as I did, you'd probably do the same thing I did because that's how strong it was. Um, and so, um, yeah, I went on this journey and, and there were times that it was incredibly hard. A lot of the time it was incredibly hard. And there was a lot of times that I prayed, like, please just release me from this Lord. I don't want to do this, but I'd had been given a, a prayer. We call it a blessing. Um, and in that blessing, I was told that a divorce would be detrimental to my sons. And we have five sons. Um, three of three of my sons are my husband's, but he's raised all five of them. And, and I just kept thinking, I can't afford to be selfish. You know, um, this situation with this other woman, who knows what it really is. My husband wasn't even himself. Like when he came in through the door, it was like, he wasn't there. Like when I would look in his eyes, he wasn't there. It wasn't him at all. And so I just had to kind of keep reminding myself of the man I fell in love with. And then I kind of went on a journey of self-discovery and realized how a lot of the problems in my marriage I created. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Oh, it was a really great experience. And so I honestly, it was, it was hard journey, but it was the most beautiful journey and most beautiful experience of my entire life fighting for my marriage and getting my husband back home and, and rediscovering the man that I had fallen in love with and finding that in him again, but more importantly, also rediscovering the woman I had been before I became this wife and mother. And I don't know, we just turn into someone else. Sometimes we get a little lost of who we truly are. We quit doing the things we love. We, you know, let everything else dictate our schedule and don't do enough to, to take care of ourselves and to nurture who right. we are. Mm -hmm. And so it was really great. Now we've been married 24 years. We're really happy. Um, but that's my juicy story. No, I love it. And, and you, that <laughs> you know, you're putting down that thing, you know, we forget to do the things that we love to do. And that's yeah. part of staying connected with ourselves and how so valuable keeping that mental and the social and the physical and the spiritual right. all up. It's like, it's hard work being a human. Well, I, as entrepreneurs, I think we get so focused on the financial, you know, like I've got to do everything to earn the money. And, and that was a lot of division we'd had in our marriage. It was, I, at the time I had my own staging company and I would stage houses that were for sale. And I was also a realtor and, and it was just like, I was always fighting to get more work. How can I get more work? What can I do? How can I market? And so I'd be up all hours trying to think about it. Like I spent a lot of time just thinking, <laughs> How can I make this business grow? How can I make it monetize more? How can I make more money? And um, at the detriment of a lot of my family. And now I've learned to have more balance. I'm still an entrepreneur. I don't have my staging business anymore, but I still do real estate. And then I do my speaking and my training business. So it is hard to find that balance sometimes. But I think getting back to that core of who I really was and being focused on the person I'm trying to become has really helped me to balance that finally. 
Yeah. And, you know, when we're entrepreneurs, we're typically working in our home. Yeah. Which, um, so you know, a lot of the world has discovered how difficult that is to have that balance. <laughs> and one of the things that I have done that is key is when my kids were little and my business was, um, you know, a little bit different, you know, I wasn't a speaker, you know, I was just doing the makeup, you know, my follow-up calls and all of that was in a basket. So not strewn all across mm. my kitchen table, but there was a very specific space that that business was. Obviously the inventory was where the kids couldn't reach it. So even <laughs> if I didn't have a, you know, like a physical office at the time, like I do now, mm-hmm. I had a physical place that was where I did my business. I love that. I love that. And, and so, it is having those and organizations it, and those systems. And it place. never went into my bedroom because that is not sexy. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up for the, <laughs> the entrepreneur that might be out there listening because that was one area where I really struggled. And like my laptop was always calling my name, always like, Christine, come and see well, what research you need to do. <laughs> demon devices, aka right? cell phones, it has gone into my bedroom. But, you know, unless I was on bed rest, the business did not go into. Right. You weren't focused my... on the business once you walked in the in the room. Like right. You had because that's time, your space. my sexy, sexy place with right. my husband and. <laughs> You know, there's my, my eaty eaty place, you know, when I'm eating, you know, don't have the laptop sitting in front of you while you're eating, you know, trying to have these divisions and then having eyeball time with my kids to make sure I'm connecting with them. But I grew up in an entrepreneur home that my dad was a trucker and we kids Mm -hmm. had to answer the phone, you know, hello, Monty Mons mobile home service. How may I help you? So I'm really (laughs) good on the phone. That could be taken a lot of ways. You know what I love about what you said and, and stay with me here, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to call you a pig, but in a good way. So my husband growing up in Tonga had a pet pig and he loved his pig. It was the cutest pig ever. And so oftentimes he's like, we need to get a pig. We need to get a pig. And he says the number one reason why he loves pigs so much is they have a place where they go to the bathroom. They have a place where they eat. They have a place where they sleep and they do not intermix it. So they're very clean animals. And when you start talking about, you know, I have my place where I eat, I have my place for the sexy, sexy. And it's like, it is, we need to be more like pigs. You know, Uh we need to have our spaces where we do things. And when we walk out of that space, we're done with that task. It's, it's over. You know what I mean? And keep things more. And I've noticed when the blinds, the the blinds, the lines get blurred. See how I did that lines and blurred all together. (laughs) Yes. I'm a speaker and I can speak I words. It. I can create uh, my own words. <laughs> yes, I can make up my own. I'm a lexicographer. So um, when the lines get blurred is when my business space was in, you know, I just walk by and do that one more thing. Mm-hmm. And so with my phone, you know, on Sundays, I tend to put up my I love Jesus post and mm-hmm. and then I'm off. You know, I'm not on there scrolling. Like I am on when I'm on and I'm off when I'm off. And the better that I have done that, not only am I more successful, but everybody around me is happier. And of course, more importantly, I feel like I'm in flow. Right. Right. That is something I'm really working on um, is, is having more discipline with social media. Like it was so nice before we had smartphones. Because you had to intentionally get on the computer and log in and do all that. Now you just, you know, it's so habitual to pick up our phone and look at it. And so Mm. I'm like, I've done a couple of times where I've taken breaks, like just like, you know, a day or two or a couple hours. Um, 
That's every it's, Sunday. It's amazing how you survive it. You know what I mean? And you're like, wow, I can do that. I can do that. But it can well, be they, so challenging yeah. to break that habit. Yeah. Well, they are addictive. Yes. So addictive. And so that's why, you know, Sunday and then in the summer, there's the camping and oh, dang it, there's no Wi-Fi. <laughs> And early in my career, I had a lady that, you know how you could forward your phone to call yes. where you were. So this is pre-cell phone. So <laughs> and you're like, yes, everyone under 30 just went, huh? Right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, cause that technology existed for you 30 year olds. Right. It was not, you were, you were a teenager. So anyway, <laughs> as an entrepreneur, you would transfer the, your phone to call. And this was so great. This was such great. Yeah, technology. It was such a great so like if you were at Thanksgiving, you would have your phone transferred to where you were. Mm-hmm. So that happened where I that went to their answering machine. And so they didn't get it until we were done cleaning up. And so it was like two or three hours after the person had called. So I called them and they were like, if you are not going to be responsive, then you do not want my business. And I remember standing there being like so shocked because I'm like, it's Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I'm a chick. And I made pies, you know, like <laughs> what, what is your expectation? And it was another woman. And so the, you know, that outward anger, right? Like right. In marriage to then I'm like, you're right. You're right. Actually, I don't, I didn't say that to her, you know, cause that would have been like mean, but just standing much, there, yeah. you know, this foyer that I was in and being like, yeah, you're at, you're right. I actually do not want your business enough on Thanksgiving. And of course we needed, you know, my husband was in school. We like needed money and things like that. And I was just like, yeah, you're right. I don't. And that was a really big turning point for me in, you know, not picking up clients that abuse me. Yeah. I was going to say at some point you don't want to do business with people that are going to be that demanding that they're going to call you on a holiday and be mad that you took you three hours to respond or whatever. I mean, I think this day and age has become even more um, like where people don't respect boundaries, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, somebody sends you a text and if you haven't responded, like immediately, it's almost like, where are you? What's happening? And you can they blow almost up watch them having a breakdown. Yeah. And you're you like, haven't replied. why have we become this way? And it's sad to me because I understand why the younger generation is this way because they've been raised with it. But right. like our generation, hello, we remember going to the mall and having to find a quarter to call and get a ride home, you know, or, or, um, hope that we could borrow a phone inside of a store or things like that. Your car broke down and you walked. You walked right. to a place where you could find yeah. a payphone, and so this day and age. Payphones, by the way, young people are <laughs> devices of phones that are connected in the ground in a little cubby. <laughs> they were a pleasure to use, especially when yeah. you didn't have any change and there was no but, other way. I called Collect one time because I was desperate, and I'm sure my parents were really mad because I was only like five miles from home, but yeah. I had no money. I couldn't take the bus. There was no way I was walking that far. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I went out to DC to visit my sister when I was 17 and my parents let me go, which as a mom, I'm like, (laughs) no way I rode cross country (laughs) on the Greyhound bus. And I was, the bus broke down in Chicago and I was sharing my pillow for two days, laying on the Chicago Depot floor with two guys um, who were from England that told everybody I was their sister, even though I sound the way I do. And they were like very <laughs> teeny compared to me. Um, 
And these women <laughs> would go for it and go have sex with them in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, um, and then this guy who was the only thing he ever said was, are you, are you following the dead? Talking about the grateful dead, but he didn't <laughs> paraphrase it. So I'm sharing my pillow, you know, with our heads by each other and our bodies radiating out and being like, how will I ever explain that I'm sharing my pillow with three other people, men. And, you know, <laughs> the, as the years gone by, I'm like, boy, my parents really, okay. Um, they were just, and anyway, I get dropped off in Southern Provo where we lived and I had to walk all the way home, you know, with, and that was, that was just you know, with my suitcase, you know, that was just what happened. And I'm like, huh, no wonder so many people have come forward and said, you know, I was sexually abused and nobody knew <laughs> right? myself, myself included, you know, because we just didn't have that connectedness that we have now, but well, yeah, with all the negatives of the meltdowns of texting, isn't it a gift that we can know and give input to our children in a way that our parents didn't have the access to do? Cause when we left the house, that was it. My mom had a yeah. kettlebell and everybody in the neighborhood teased my mom for that, but we could hear it from a good mile away. And if we did not come <laughs> home, we were going to be in big trouble and mom could let us know. Right. But she yeah. was uh, any other kids, mom was too classy to have a cowbell, evidently. Right. Called people on the phone. That's what my mom did. No, we didn't have the phone, right? Me. Like you just, wait, you were gone. You were gone. Right. Like <laughs> we were kids. We went to go play. Well, yeah. My mom would call the neighbor's house. Like, do you see Chrissy out there? Is she down at your house? You know, she'd call the neighbors. Like who's, yeah. who can see my kid? Maybe I would have liked my mother to have done that because people would be like, your mom rang the bell. Move. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, you called me a pig, you know, so, right. but you know, it's better, better than being a Definitely cow, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's so interesting to see how times have changed and like, you have to be grateful for all the technology. Like there's so many benefits from it, but it definitely has its drawbacks that I have to keep putting myself in check and reminding myself so I don't get totally carried away in it. Well, you know, when, you know, the, the joke about old people is they're like, oh, this, this newfangled thing's not going to stick around. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's going to stick around and really figuring out around. how to navigate and still have meaningful connection. That's the part I've been struggling with. Um, because, you know, back in 2019, before this happened, um, I went to quite a bit of networking and sometimes I scale back because I, I have to sometimes preserve my energy. Um, sometimes I'm super outgoing and sometimes I'm super not. <laughs> so I go through these rounds of super outgoing and I'd be like, okay, I need to take a step back and kind of just go inward. Um, but then having no option of that has been incredibly challenging for me because my outgoing side doesn't have that fulfillment, you know, to go out and do it. And so I become more introverted and I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta pull myself out of this and you have to be a little more, um, intentional. You have to be a little well, more intentional now. My solution to that was my media companies nagging me to create a podcast. <laughs> hey, there you go. There you go. Well, That's but it's, 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 it's a, it, it has been really fun because a lot of the guests are my friends right? and we're having a more in-depth conversation than we might've had a networking event because we're it's there so with the business purpose, right? right. Yes. So speaking of business, I'm going to segue mm -hmm. it into your big, cool news that you have. Um, my book. Is yeah, that what you're talking yeah, about? The, I, I think a book's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. 
I so this is my You're like my book. book. Is that is that what I'm is that I'm so sorry. Oh, because it's your your third book. My you third know, book. sorry, I guess I only have two books. So by the time and I, I, I believe there, I owe you books. I, I remember you asking me to yeah. send you, and I'm like, I I think about it all the time, especially when I'm out. Now you co-authored away. with these books. I did, right? yeah. So okay. I so in that sense, anthology. I've done that twice. So yeah, I have five, four books. I can do math. See? Yeah, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I'm working on my, my book. That's just hundred percent me. That will be kind yes. of my story about fighting for huge. my marriage um, and big. kind of helping other people. Yeah. But um, yeah, these anthologies I got involved in were really fun. Um, but the faces of mental illness was the one that actually kicked it all off, even though that was the last one to be published. Um, because I've had depression since I was about 12 or 13 and, and I've been struggling with that, you know, having to learn to manage it and things like that. And then I have a brother that has bipolar. I have two sons for sure that have been diagnosed with bipolar and my other three have anxiety, ADHD, things like that. So, um, you learn a lot Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're dealing with mental health issues. And then so is all your family. And, um, some people really get it. Some people really don't. And so it's always been something I've really been passionate about to try to help people understand and break stigmas, especially around bipolar, because I think people have a level of understanding about anxiety and depression. Some people not as deep as it would be nice if they did, but bipolar is kind of its own beast. And so, um, I I feel like at a whole spectrum, I mean, I have, I have ADD, so I don't see that as a bad thing, you know, but I'm 48 and I've worked through it and you know, it's my superpower, but (laughs) Um, you know, being bipolar, as I understand it, you have these periods that are triggers to being a manic phase. Yeah. And yeah. it can be not just um, like I have a friend who's bipolar who gets super religious in her manic. And so, really? That's yeah. So the world is like, oh, look at her. She's so religious and pious, but it's not a good thing because even though it may manifest as, you know, taking a lot of dinner to her neighbors and, you know, talking about right. Jesus and everything. Um, it's, it's in a, she's in a manic it's extreme. Phase. Yeah. It's right. extreme. And you know, we don't want to live there. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it, it can be really scary. Um, because there's like, no, you have no control over it. You know what I mean? At least to a degree. And so the best way that my son has explained it to me, um, he said, it's like, I've got a hundred TVs turned on inside my brain. I don't know which one to watch. They're just all going at the same time. So they have so many racing thoughts going, 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 going. You're just trying to figure out what are you, what am I thinking? So is the TVs, is that just when he's in his manic phase? Or no, is that all the time. time. That's, that's, that's a bipolar brain all the time. They, oh. a lot of times, so bipolar has a lot of similarities to all the others. And in, in a way it's kind of like, it's kind of like depression and ADHD and anxiety and a whole bunch of other things all rolled up in one turned then, up on a dial. Yeah, exactly. I have like I mean, five TVs. Different. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. You know? I've got multiple browsers always in my window of my mind <laughs> going right. and open. And that's and, why I turn off all the browsers for today. Right. Don't do any other thing. You learn to focus in, but right. they have to really, so this is why so many people who have bipolar specifically will self-medicate with marijuana because it slows everything down. Mm-hmm. So they can try to grasp their thoughts and see what's going on. And so um, I've always been really passionate about that from the time my brother was young and then dealing with my own things. And then with my kids, I'm like, we got to break these stigmas. So it's not joked about so much and fl- thro- thrown around and that people don't hear somebody has bipolar and all of a sudden just make assumptions and judgments. And that when somebody does have some of these behaviors, they're more understanding and compassionate rather than judgmental. 
So a uh, friend of mine that is a therapist put out on Facebook, Hey, who's ever wanted to write a book about mental health. And I'm like, Oh, absolutely. I've always wanted to do that for years. And she's like, great. Talk to Kate Butler. So Kate Butler's a friend of mine that I met through Jack Canfield and um, she started her own publishing company. And Helping Jack Canfield of Chicken Soup for the Soul thing. Yes. Just yes. so people know you're dropping <laughs> names right now. I am a name dropper. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I love Jack and he's been really um, a good a good mentor for me. So I talked to Kate and I'm, I'm calling her. We're having a conversation. I'm thinking we're talking about this book, The Faces of Mental Illness. And she's like, tell me a little bit about you. So I kind of tell her a little bit of that same story about my, my marriage and, you know, that ultimately that's what I want to talk about. That's what I want to write about and things like that. And she's like, oh, this is so awesome. We have a book coming out called women who shine. And I think, or no women who empower. And I think your story would be perfect for it. And I'm like, wait a second. What What? (laughs) What are we talking about? So she got me on board for, for women who empower. And I talked about being empowered to forgive um, and to make different decisions in your life to improve it. And then after that, she's like, well, we're doing a new book called women who shine. So she does a book. um, Oh my gosh. I can't think of the word. She has a collection called the inspired impact series. So the women who whatever are all part of that. So she's got women who influence women who um, illuminate all these different ones. Right. So she's like, next one we're doing is women who shine. And I'm like, okay, I want, I want in on that. So I ended up writing a chapter for that, talking about finding my passion and my purpose and allowing myself to shine and not hide my light under a bushel, so to speak, and that we all have a light to shine. So I ended up doing those two books before we ever got around to faces of mental illness. (laughs) (laughs) So you're like, I'm like, okay, yeah, (laughs) took me on a totally different journey. Like that's a thing. We sometimes don't realize that the detours in life are such a blessing you know? And, um, so it's been, it's been a really fun journey and it's nice to kind of have a couple of books under my belt just to kind of prep me for, you know, the book I'm really like that I've been working on for 10 and a half years (laughs) (laughs) that I've started over a hundred times. And I finally was on track. Christy Gardner was helping me. And then, um, I went to one of her retreats and then I went to one of Bridget's. Yeah. Bridget. I went to one of her retreats and then I'm like, Hey, Bridget, I need you to help me. Cause I've got to get this done. And we ended up like pretty much starting over. <laughs> She's like, this is great. Now we're going to change it. <laughs> Let's yeah, do it this way. That's so great, but we're not doing that. Right. Yeah. But, you know, Bridget, Bridget's helped write, you know, New York times bestsellers. So I'm like, whatever Bridget says, I trust. And yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Bridget, I'll do it. Bridget's legit. I've read yeah. several. And there's books. more than one way. There's more than one way to get your book out there and to have it be a really compelling story so that it has the impact you want. Like, you know, right. I'm, I'm praying that my book, people will read it and they'll, that marriages will be saved. Right. That, you know, and that women who feel lost in their marriage will find themselves again. In fact, I have and, a friend that just got, that she got married into her forties and her husband had had, this is a very dear friend and her husband had had testicular cancer. So children were not an option for them. And just the other day she was talking to someone and she basically was like, I need you to hear what I'm saying. (laughs) And everyone's like, okay. And she's talking to like 20 somethings. And she's like, if you ever get to a place in your marriage where you're like, Hmm, I wonder if I don't want to be here in my marriage. She's like, I need you to hear what I'm saying. You know, and they're all like, okay, because they're 20, right? Right. I need you to go to where the singles are. 
And I need you to look around and realize that the grass is not greener. Like dig into your marriage. And it's even more interesting when you look at her history that her mother had been married several different times. Wow. And I'm actually named after her mom. So oh, wow. we're like sister friends, right? Because um, we know each other's history. Which is better than sister wives. Um, it is. It is better. Some wives, maybe. I don't know. No. Um, the funny thing is we have a similar build. We're both, you know, not petite and, you know, a little extra. Right. Right. And when I put my hair up, you know, to have it be out of the way, my hair looks like her hair. And her husband did just kind of slap my butt in Disneyland and he is mortified and I'm still teasing him. And he's like, no, look, you kind of look similar. And people do think we are sisters and we, we vacation together. We do everything together, but um, it's even more interesting to realize her history where, you know, Lita, the first had been (laughs) married several, several times and that, you know, she did not find, you know, her one and only, you know, right away, you know, it took time. To her, be like you, she spent a lot of time in the single scene, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, how our marriages, (laughs) even if certain things have happened, we need to, that's not an easy thing to throw away. And that's so hard to say to people. But I said one time to a girlfriend who was like, had lost a bunch of weight. And she's like, I'm better than him now. Mm. I'm not sure why the weight was the, the thing, but. Uh, myself and another friend were like, we really think you need to like focus and stay in this and fight for this and work through this. And she just, you know, didn't talk to us mm-hmm. and then, you know, went off to New York and lived the big life and then came back and was like, you're the only two friends I have. Right. You're the only two people who told me the truth. And though I am very thankful that we as women have the opportunity for divorce because, you know, hundred years ago, we didn't. Right. You know, 60 years ago. Right. Um, And there are marriages that need to end. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of marriages that could be saved for the benefit of the two people in the marriage besides. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Like, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like we live in such a society again, where there's instant gratification. And if you're not making me happy, I'm going to go find happiness somewhere else rather than realizing I'm the only one who can make myself happy. Like to me, you know, not to get spiritual, but it's about me it's and right. my relationship with God. <laughs> yeah. And that's all that matters. God completes me. He's the one who makes me whole and everybody else is just the cherry on top. And so when you start to realize that your relationships aren't there to complete you or to make you whole or to, to somehow fulfill a need for you, mm-hmm. and you realize that all comes from your higher self and your relationship with God, then all of a sudden your relationships become highly enjoyable, even when they're not so enjoyable. And I think about it and I'm like, you know, there are, there are marriages that definitely, you know, should, um, and there's, there's narcissistic men out there. There's men that are highly and abusive women. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. And there's narcissistic women. Yes. That's true. Thank you for that. Yeah. And so there's times where, you know, even if the marriage is salvable in those situations, you might need to work through that apart. (laughs) You know, I mean, that, that requires a lot of my 15th year, my, you know, when I was, when I was 15, you know, one of the pivotal stories of moving, me moving to Blanding, Utah and, you know, <laughs> and, but, you know, I saw my dad twice that year because they were working oh, through some stuff yeah. and, you know, now they've been married for 50, um, 55, 56 years. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, 
you know, they had to work through some stuff. They had to work through it. it. I think I I call it the Cinderella complex because us women were raised on this idea that we're going to be rescued and somebody's going to take us from this awful life and make it all good for us. And we will live happily ever after. And they don't show the work Cinderella had to do to become living happily ever after. They don't show the conflict. They don't show the struggles and the challenges. And so we have this idea that this man's going to come into our life. And, you know, you go through that honeymoon period. They sweep you off your feet and they're so great. And they're buying you flowers and they're taking you to dinner and you get engaged and it's all grandeur. And then all of a sudden you settle into everyday life and then throw some kids in the mix. (laughs) And like your head just starts spinning. Like what just happened? And you have (laughs) conflict and you have arguments and you realize that there's a lot of conversations you may have wanted to have before you got married about how you raise your kids and how you handle finances and all these things come into the play. So here's a question, my friend. Yeah. When you were crying on your bed that day mm-hmm. and God says to you, I, you, you work on your marriage and I promise you it'll be better than it was. What's the difference between that girl who got swooped up by Prince Charming and that girl or that woman, right? Yeah that knows God wants her to invest in the day-to-day. <laughs> I think understanding and experience and, and my relationship with God. I mean, I've always had a really good, um, strong testimony of God, like knowing who he is and, right. and believing in him. But I had done a lot of work, even though I still had a lot of work still to do. And so I think, you know, when, when I got swept up by my husband, it was like, I was a single mom of two boys when I met my, when, well, I met my husband and found out I was pregnant with my first son right away, which wasn't his. Okay. So he wanted to get married and I was like, no, that's weird. And I'm 17. So no, no, we're not going to get married. And I sent him on his way and he ended up marrying someone else. And then I ended up having another kid because I made some bad choices when I was young. No, you made different choices. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, yeah, um, I guess they all helped me become the person I am today. But it's all, I mean, (laughs) sex is animals do it without even thinking. Right. And, and sometimes as humans, we give into our most natural instincts. Right. And so it doesn't make us bad. It just means we're working on maybe some impulse control or, you know, life experience that needs to happen before we make another human, but it doesn't make us bad. And I, that's true. And I feel like I I made some choices that were probably in some ways to my detriment, but turned out to be beneficial in other ways. Right. And I do Uh, believe, you know, speaking about God, that he is going to make everything work out for good. But I think it's very dangerous when we say um, that that was bad because I want my kids (laughs) when they're on the tippy toes of these experiences, which, you know, I have a son that had offering him (laughs) blowjobs. Oh my gosh. Which is no risk for my son, but risk for her. Right. Right. Well, uh, you know, I as mean, far as everything has things. a spiritual risk though. And that's the right. thing. No, I mean, yes, but I'm just yeah. saying physical risks. I mean, right, every, right. I totally agree, but I don't want my son to feel shamed that he's not allowed to be like, well, I kind of would like that. Yeah. <laughs> you right? know what? I like that. I like that you're bringing this up because I think, um, those of us raised in religious environments and, and with a lot of religion and, and um, a lot of times we do associate our, our mistakes or our, our not the best decisions with shame and guilt. And I was reading and it said, you know, Satan wants us to feel shame and guilt. Yeah. God he's like the maker. Sorrow. Of yeah. God right. brings us to godly sorrow. Like, wow, that wasn't the best decision for me. 
I don't like the way I feel because I made that decision. And they, he turns our heart back to him to repent and to fix what's wrong. And I mean, you know, our choices have natural consequences that there's nothing you can do about. I have to deal right. with, you know, my son's dads and consequences that that created for my kids and things like that. But right. ultimately, but I think whenever you're not feeling hope, yeah, you're not feeling God. Yes. If you're yes. feeling shame and the, the stereotypical guilt, not like guilt described in the Bible, you know, right. Um, like, Oh, I shouldn't have done that, but there's always the hope that I can do better. That's God. Yes. I right? love how you're talking about that because I, I think about just thinking of mental illness in general and things like that. Yes. Yes, um, exactly. That when we're like, when, I shouldn't be feeling this yeah. way. I, well, this and, isn't, but aren't we here to have experiences? <laughs> Well, my oldest son has lost a lot of friends to suicide, like, like, like nobody should have that many friends. I mean, my son's 30 now. And these were all like friends he lost by the time he was in his mid twenties. Um, and so another thing I'm really passionate about, because I had some problems with suicidal ideation when I was younger. Um, and still sometimes it creeps up and then I'm like, no, that's not even logical. After you had kids. Yeah. Well, then you have a greater purpose, you know, so you feel right. like you got to make it for your kids, but I will but tell I, you that I did I bring have... that up. I bring that up because people often think, well, if I have more people that love me or more people that yeah. depend on me, or if, you know, X, Y, and Z are fulfilled, then I won't have these issues anymore. Yeah. But you no, always it take doesn't you take away. It. Matter of fact, yeah. all the hormones that come with having kids, I think make it harder. Mm -hmm. Um, because your body changes so much and it's a chemical issue. A lot of times when you have, you know, clinical depression and things like that. So it's interesting. And, um, I, I even had an experience where I, I finally understood why, like, I, I remember women would, you know, like there was that one woman that killed herself and all her kids. And it was like the first time I'd ever heard of that. It was really big. I think her name was Susan Smith. And, um, I just remember thinking, how could you do that? Because like my son was like my perp, like he was what kept me going, you know, mm-hmm. like when I felt like life was had different mental illness yeah. demons. Well, but then after I had my third son, I kind of went through a really hard time. And I, I was thinking that I was thinking, I can't leave my kids with the chaos of a mom that killed herself. So I'll just have to kill them first. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, because I think of my great connection with God that really helped me wake up. But I understood, I understood how that's possible, but I think that you get to a place that you lose hope. Cause the one thing that's always pulled me out of it is that I always have hope. Like you said, I always have hope because the sun's going to rise in the morning. There's going to be another day. It's going to get better somewhere. I might hit this part again, but there's hope that I'm going to have more good days than bad days. There's hope that I can get through it. And so I think that people that, that finally say, I can't take this anymore have lost hope. And I think that's the number one thing we can really share in the world with people who especially are struggling with mental illness, but really everybody needs hope. And right. so just kind of, have you heard that, that study on the vibration of words? Yes. And I'm hope so the word with the highest hybrid vibration, yeah. hope, love, gratitude. Those no, like hope, like the word hope has the highest I vibration. I always heard gratitude with the highest vibration. Well, maybe it's up there, but I, I remember reading the study and it was hope. And I was like, cause it just fit in so beautifully with what I believe of God. Right. It's true. Um, it's so necessary. And I do think gratitude is part of hope helping, you know, hope be achieved. Right. It's right. a way to increase a lot of things. And it's awesome. And I can't remember what the least vibrational word was. So somebody Google that in the audience. I know like cuss words are low vibrational. 
um, negative words. Not like, poopy though. That that one is like it might be a little higher. Like a little bit higher than like. You and know. sometimes I think even the intonation and the inflection that you use will create its own vibration. Well, and but different words think... have different meaning for different people. Like yeah. for me, the F word has been couched as you know violent rape. Oh, the origin yeah, of that word. Yeah. So to me. I'm not a fan of that word because I'm religious. I don't like the name of mm-hmm. God being taken in vain. Yes. You know, ha- damn and hell are fine because that's Satan's location. Right. So that's totally fine. <laughs> I, I have some bad language sometimes, some some language that's probably not pleasing to. Well, I'm a trucker's daughter. <laughs> so even though my dad didn't swear, my mom did not grow up in um, the same kind of religion that we right kind of raised in um and so when she'd get mad she would swear and then she would be like oh you guys learned that from the truck stops and we're like no we just (laughs) heard it there too (laughs) right my kids have called me out a few times when they're using language that's unsavory and I'm like you guys don't say that and I'm like where do you think we learned it and I'm like I deny that you learned it from me completely I think the fifth on that my son said a word I can't remember exactly what it was it might have been S-H-I-T. Right. <laughs> and I was like, son, can you think of a better word than that? And he's like, can you think of a better word than poopy mom? And I was like, touche. Touche. That's why I think it might've been because it was in the same vein. Well, it's know? so funny because words can have such a different impact on different people. Like I remember one time I, I used to work <laughs> at that tall building in Salt Lake um, called the church office building. And um, I like the tall time, building. Yeah. Well, it used to be the tallest building. Now there's been a bunch of buildings built tall, but it used to be the only tall building in Salt Lake. And, and, um, one day I was talking and I used the word crap as I was talking to one of my coworkers. And next thing you know, one of the other coworkers comes and opens up a dictionary and just completely lays into me about my choice of words. Now I was raised into a house where crap just isn't a bad word to me and it never will be. It's just not to me, but I realized that I, other now people, my son used the word crap. Did you, did you, that was, it wasn't HIT. It was was crap, which I'm just kind of like, there's a visual as though poopy is so much better, but that was a moment where I was zoning my mother. Cause she just, right. Well, I'm always like, I'm always like, Oh, it's just a bunch of crap. That's crap. This is, you know, right. And she was just so, um, yeah. So to some people that's a customer generationally too. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of interesting you know, my mom grew up with a dad that went to the bar and stuff. And so there were certain words we would use as kids that she's like, that's, um, that's tavern talk. I don't want to hear that word. And tavern, like, like tavern talk, know, yeah, tavern, <laughs> that's tavern talk. I don't want to hear that word. And I'm like, how many times were you at the tavern as a kid? Mom, <laughs> like, you know, did you go with your dad over there? I don't know. But, but there were certain things that she got offended by. And it's interesting how, you know, the older I get, the more aware of my words all become, you know, of how they impact me, how they impact the person I'm talking to, what they impact manifesting, you know what? Yeah, that's, yeah. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for getting there. Right. (laughs) That we just, we just get to this point where we're just saying things and not even thinking about how limiting we are creating with our words. Yes. Thank you for that. I had a belief for years that I was not capable of making more than 25,000 a year with children because I'd always been told I wasn't very capable. And of course, when I had kids and you can look around and be like, Oh yeah, your earning power goes down. You know, even if you're making a lot of money, you got to pay for daycare. And, And it took my husband getting hit by a bus for me to confront that belief 
that I was only capable of making 25,000 a year because the bitter reality was 11 months later when he had his heart attack, I could not maintain the, the lifestyle that I had grown accustomed to on <laughs> 25,000. Right. And was I going to, my, the reality was my husband was going to die within years. That was 14 years ago. So obviously a miracle happened, which is a whole yeah. other story, but, um, I had the bitter, hard facts, you know, like you're crying on the bed that day. I had to look at what were my beliefs. And you mentioned that women say to you all the time that they would never put up with a cheating spouse, which technically that's what he was doing. And I always told my daughters that I would put up with somebody who had sex easier, easier than I would put up with someone who chose to do that. Right. And it's two different things and the same thing. But the issue is not so much the action as someone who made a choice again and again and again and again to do that. Right, right. right? And I and think that the emotions behind it is always so much more um, where we feel the betrayal. Right. <laughs> and making like how connected choice, were you to her? You know what I mean? Right, right. You know, making the choice, um, you know, obviously, you know, I, 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 my life circumstances have been different, but you know, in our faith where we wait till we're married to have sex. I know my husband knows how to not have sex because when I met him at 25, he had accomplished that goal. And that is a Herculean feat, right? And so if he chose to have sex with somebody that was not me, that would be like, well, there's an issue. Cause I know, you know how not to, right. It's not like right. you just magically don't have sex. You know, people right, be like, you have well, that control not to have it for that many years. Right. And people would say to me, well, how, how is that possible that you're not having sex? And I'm like, well, do you really want me to get into this right here? Or you, you just don't like, I think it's question. so funny that people are so baffled by that. Like I can be married and still not have sex. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, yeah, so I, I, choose, I choose not taking that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got the six weeks after childbirth. We get through that. <laughs> um, yeah, well, <laughs> there are other things that can be done. Sorry, that just went not family friendly. <laughs> Sorry. You no, no, I'm apologizing to any, any listeners that are like, whoa, whoa, what are they saying? I figured anything was on the table when we were talking about the sexy, sexy in the beginning. Yeah, no, it is on the table. It was me who took it. It's me who took it south. You know, it was like, I guess that's the joy of my own podcast is I can say whatever I want, you know? Well, and I think it's important as women that we are, have those open conversations because I think for generations, like my mom, you know, she went through so many challenges because it's just not, she's not got a very high libido. And so to be married to a man who most men have really high libidos, it's, it's been a challenge. It's been a struggle. And one day she decided to talk to me about that, which no one wants to talk to their parents about that. Yep. Not but fun to be your parents. Didn't feel comfortable to talk to anybody all those years for years. It's and years obviously and years. is not going to help her libido. No, no. And so it's interesting how now our generation, most of us are a little more open to talk about what's going on and to talk about the things that are naturally we're experiencing. And I think it's good. I think it's good to be. Well, and of course, too, women back in the day, <laughs> um, I always find this interesting that women, you know, of, of wealth would not only allow their husband to have a mistress, but would encourage it because right. women died in childbirth so much and we didn't have, you know, birth control. Right. And oh so you God. really just kind of didn't want to die if your right. life was good right? You just didn't really want that because people just don't tend to love to die. 
And so, um, so it's like, if you need a release, she's available. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah. I don't want to take a chance that I get pregnant and maybe, right. I'm on that so, road. you know, um, you know, I've done my bit, I've made an air and a spare, right. So go have a mistress, go do your thing because so many of us did die. Right. And, you know, queen Victoria, you know, who obviously would have had the best medical care of her time was terrified of intimacy because of the fear of dying in childbirth. Isn't that crazy? That shows you how far we've come. Yeah, we've come. I mean, the, the, you know, the queen, and it's kind of sad that we know all that about her poor thing, you know, but, um, women have been told for a long time. And of course there was, uh, some religion traditions, not the one you and I happen to belong to, but, but, you know, sex was for the man. And I remember when I was, uh, getting engaged and I went on the pill, my mother-in-law had a really strong opinion about this, which I did not think this was her arena Mm -hmm. of voicing, um, you know? And so it was a little awkward, but she's like, well, sex is all for the man anyway. And I was like, Whoa, and so I went to my husband I was like, my husband to be, and I was like, who, who gave you the birds and the bees talk? And he's like, what? And I was like, who gave you the talk? Cause I want to figure out if he, if that had gotten into his, right. Like, what am I doing? We need to do some sex therapy before we got married. Cause you know, and now it's out there, yeah. but you know, I, my husband knew that I've gone through sexual abuse. So I'm like, if it's a problem for me, I will go to therapy. So I'm like, do we need to start the therapy sooner? Right. The question, right. you know? And he's like, you know, having to think back. And I'm like, how many conversations have you had with your mom about sex? And he's like, oh, none. And I'm like, okay, good, good. But did his dad carry that same mentality and how you talk to his dad? Like, that's the thing I always think about is where does that even. But, you know, that was her, um, my father-in-law is a sweet and wonderful man. He he's passed for some time now, but, um, you know, um, but it was just, a lot of women of her time right, had these kinds way. of ideas or that it was just to procreate. And, um, you know, we are more than that. We look good and can make babies. Right. And that's what a wonderful time we live in. Oh my gosh. I could, right? go, I could, we can have a whole nother podcast on this topic. <laughs> and you know, maybe we should. So I'm um, speaking of whole other podcasts. We've hit our time, my dear friend. And <laughs> this has been a pleasure. It's been well, such a pleasure. Is, as soon as we started talking, I'm like, stop, we've got to start the podcast because we're just going to talk. And we'd be like 45 minutes in and, <laughs> and be like, well, this would have been fun for people to listen in on. It doesn't help that you're a talker and I'm a talker. It I doesn't, agree. it doesn't help, but it does help. It does. That's true. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully all the listeners have gotten some value from this and some little gold nuggets that they can take into their daily life and think about some little well, little processes and thoughts that they're dealing with. I think there are fun. several about, you know, removing shame, talking mm-hmm. about our mental health issues, realizing we all have them. And mm-hmm. that whole story about, you know, crying in bed and just what if, right? Right. Well, those are some great stories. You are a woman who empowers and you're a woman who shines. <laughs> and, um, and I'm also a face of mental illness. <laughs> yes. And I, I know I have one of your books and I'm looking up at my bookshelf. I will not bore everyone while I, I look through. I think you might have women who empower because women who shines was the one you wanted me to. to yeah. I need which, women who shines and the which one day I really will get, I'll have to just order some, some, um, lip scents and then come and do an exchange. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. No problem. Cause I'm people. terrible at getting to the post office. It's easier <laughs> for me to drive it to your house. Yes. I love it. So, um, my friend, thank you for being on mm-hmm, this yeah, episode. Uh, share your hotness because <laughs> you're a hottie. Ooh, so are you. I know. Well, you know, <laughs> takes one to know one. <laughs>
The Share Your Hotness podcast is produced by Van Garrett Media. Lita Green is the host and creator of the podcast. Chris Van Garrett is the editor, producer, and music director. Shayla Dawn is our research coordinator. Join us next week for another episode of the Share Your Hotness podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.